This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. Now, with the end-of-year earnings season in full swing, we catch up again with Acrobrand CEO Boris Ellisman. I spoke to Boris just a few minutes after the company's latest earnings conference call for his take on 2021 and for some of the things in store for ACO in 2022. So, all in all, are you pleased with 2021? Yeah, it was a, a a a good year for us. A you know a rebuilding and a repositioning year. I think we were successful in what we were trying to do. Really uh, reignite the growth in our uh, business, uh, integrate Power A, and position ourselves for uh, accelerated growth in 2022. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're able to do all of those things. Yeah, I remember this time last year we were just. Uh referring to your recent acquisition of, of Power A seems to have been a bit of a home run for you in 2021. Uh, yeah, very pleased with, with, with Power A. Um, you know, certainly when we acquired them, we didn't anticipate this level of growth at this stage. And, and that, that, that was despite some of the challenges in the, the gaming console market with, with shortages, et cetera, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you look at some of the other companies that have announced, such as Corsair Gaming, um, you saw that they did not have yeah. such a successful uh, year, or certainly not such a successful Q4, yeah. uh, because yeah. of uh, some of the uh, shortages. So, uh, you know, we've done really well, just uh, objectively, and then from a comparative standpoint, you know, yeah. phenomenally well, yeah. given some of the challenges. Yeah. In the- yeah. If you if you strip out Power A, how would you describe 2021? You know, I think it was a good year. You know, uh, when, if, if somebody told me we we're going to be able to grow at 5% organically, I'd, I'd say, yep, that's, that's a good year uh, for, uh, uh, for uh, our business. You know, and, 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 and if I look at that 5%, um, the underlying growth in the business is really higher than that because mm. we had this uh, one-time compare issue in the yeah. Kensington business yeah. that um, that hurt their uh, growth in uh, in 21, and then uh, you know a large part of our of our uh, business is North American back to school, and the inventory overhang yeah. uh, from 2020 to 21 uh, hurt our growth um, uh, in in 21, and then another large part of our business is in um, Latin America, which were which were hampered uh, by uh, yeah. COVID. Uh, throughout the year so you know net net with all of those things um, i'd say five percent growth was was really good and you know the other thing that is good is that all of those things should improve in 2022 right we don't have the compare issue to deal with on the kensington end Uh, if you look at our north american school business we don't have the inventory overhang to deal with so now sales should go really with 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 pos Mm. uh, should be normal and we're seeing improvement in international and uh, in, in Latin America. So, you know, I think uh, if you assume uh, everything else being kind of how it was in 21 with all the puts and takes, uh, then there's a lot of uh, tailwinds behind growth in 2022. Yeah. Okay. 
you called out in in North America that there was growth with the independent dealers and the the wholesalers. I don't know if you can say a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, it wasn't just a North American thing. Uh, just independent dealers and wholesalers have done well in in Europe as well, and done okay in Australia. In Australia. Um, you know, they, they had to deal with some of the lockdowns mm. uh, really in the middle of the year in Q3 that some of the other regions didn't have to deal with. So I'd say uh, I'd say uh, their their recovery was a little bit more muted. Um, but EMEA, you know, the growth was driven really by uh, e-tail and uh, independence. Mm. The wholesale channel EMEA is a little bit less yeah. less developed, less yeah. robust. But independents have done really well, uh, and uh, e-tailers, both uh, the local e-tailers that we have in in, in the countries, mm. as well as Amazon, um, has done really well uh, in EMEA for us last year. Mm. And in the U.S., um, uh, we had growth both with independents, and they've done well, as well as the wholesalers done well, both uh, uh, Ascendant, S.P. Richards. Mm. And then, you know, we have Granger and Uline. Uh, who've done well uh, as well uh, in, in the U.S. So it, it was uh, it wasn't one or two. It was yeah. pretty broad and it was pretty robust. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Amazon. I think they're your your second largest customer with with nine percent of the total. When you look at you know, marketplaces in general, beyond Amazon, is a, are you doing anything interesting there? You know, beyond Amazon, it, it, it's really outside of the U.S. You know, um, Amazon really dominates in the U.S. And yes, we sell through Target.com and we sell through Walmart.com and we sell through Staples.com and OfficeDepot.com, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. But, um, you know, Amazon dwarfs everybody in the U.S. And I think it's just going to be difficult, um, you know, given the head start that they have and the level of investments they're making it will be difficult uh, for others to to get to a meaningful scale mm. uh, you know from a from a broad sense I mean clearly uh, people have good niche positions uh, and you know and over time um, I think they will be able to eat into Amazon's market share uh, but you know the lead lead in Amazon Amazon US is pretty large yeah uh, you, you know if I look at outside of the US uh, I think there's just a lot more uh, momentum and success with with other e-tailers uh, in, in in the countries, especially the countries where Amazon either you know doesn't have presence at all or uh, has a has a newer presence and a smaller share. Yeah, going back to EMEA, uh, I think fifteen percent comparable growth. Another another stellar year for that team based in Europe. You referred to share gains. Where where were they coming from principally? You know, with a 15% comparable <laughs> growth, the share gains are coming from everywhere. You know, clearly, you know the European market well, and you know that uh, that market is not growing at 15%. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, our, our team has done a phenomenal job, just a phenomenal job. You know, and we also have to recognize that they've done this in a in a difficult environment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you you still have COVID sparks throughout uh, mm -hmm. Europe, and had you know a lot of people working from from home, you have supply chain issues. You have huge, uh, mm. uh, huge inflation uh, going on. So it has not been a easy environment to operate yeah. in. And yet, you know, there was very strong growth in uh, uh, Kensington in EMEA. Very strong growth uh, with uh, Rapid uh, mm. Tools okay. uh, in EMEA. 
excellent growth with Derwent in EMEA. And then if you look at our core products, Stapledick and Punch, uh, Filing, uh, they've done really well. So we had, uh, you know, more moderate growth there than than 15%, but still, uh, you know, these are large categories that are mature categories and, and, and growing them uh, is, a, is a big accomplishment. So, you know, the teams have just, just, just done a terrific job. And then another category that's done really well in EMEA especially is uh, wellness with the lights, true sense, air purifiers. Yeah. You know, EMEA is our biggest market for that, yeah. for that particular category, and they've, they've done really well. Yeah. I think you said on the call, something something coming in the, in the wellness category. You've got some plans there. Any, anything you can say about that to us? You know, we, we think it's a, it's a huge category. It has very robust long-term growth potential. You know, people care about uh, these things, not just today. They'll care about them well into the future. It's a fragmented category. You know, there's really nobody who occupies, you know, has a dominant uh, share there. And we think we have a, a path to add value and a path to succeed. So today we have Primarily three SKUs that we're selling, you know, kind of a good, better, best uh, air purifiers with the associated accessories. Uh, we expanded that with adding smart uh, air purifiers uh, in the U.S. Last year, we're going to be launching that in, in Europe and, and in international mm-hmm. uh, in, in 22. Uh, and then, you know, we'll be uh, expanding the range to launch more commercial air uh, purifiers really more targeted at businesses mm. given that you know we saw we saw strong demand for even our consumer air purifiers in the business space but they're not optimized for that so people yeah. were just putting them in because they wanted something so now we're going to be introducing a line of uh, commercial air purifiers sold primarily through our independent dealers okay uh, good i was going to ask you the, your, your go-to-market strategy for that whether it would be direct direct to consumer or, or through the channel I think everything we're going to sell from now on will be both direct to consumer and through the channel, but we certainly expect more volume to go through the channel for this particular products. Mm. You know, this is higher price point, higher duty cycle, uh, and and really it's 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 the custom consumers or businesses where with with whom our traditional channel has relationships. So they should be able to uh, to address their customers' needs uh, with these particular products. Yeah, and then we're also going to be expanding into outside of air purifications into other uh, wellness categories that, that I shall not relieve but needless to say I'm excited by them and uh, I think they'll be they'll be very very good for uh, for us and well, they'll address a, uh, a a consumer need okay that, that's that's all, uh, that's organic that's that's your own uh, new products coming coming online. It's our own. It's a teaser for for people to. Uh, okay, well, uh, we'll look out for that later. Is there any t- time frame for that when the products will be launched? It should be uh, in uh, Q3. Okay, it's difficult to to get away from the supply chain and inflationary issues all, all over the world at the, at the moment. How, how have you been faring, and what, what and what's the situation like now and for the for the rest of the year? Yeah, you know, as you said, it's a it's a it's an issue all over the world. It's you know, the numbers are pretty meaningful. I think every time you open the business page from any one country, there's kind of record inflation, and that's uh, showing up pretty much uh, everywhere. Uh, and you know, and and it's it, it's difficult to get away from that. So obviously, 
you know, which we need to recover costs and it, and it takes time. Yeah. You know, right now what we've seen is the inflate the, the costs have stabilized. They haven't come down, but we don't we don't we're not seeing them going up from the current okay. levels. Yeah. But you know, they went up a lot over the last uh, I'd say nine months, and um, we need to catch up. And we still it's always a catch up. We're still catching up mm-hmm. in some of our countries and some of our regions. Um, and you know, we have to do it obviously in a competitive way to make sure that uh, we still are able to. Uh, grow the business, and you know, so we're we're working on that, you know, with our customers to make sure. I mean, they they have the similar challenges, obviously. Uh, they're seeing inflation from other other vendors. Those who buy direct are also seeing uh, that inflation uh, across the board. So I think you know, all of us are in the same boat. And you know, at the end of the day, the the consumer will have will have to pay more because the costs are going up. That's that's unavoidable. Yeah, yeah. I think on the call you said slightly different. Uh, the way you increase prices in North America and Europe because of the channels there where, where you're stronger that uh, on the commercial side in Europe, it's, there's a bit more of a lag, I think. Yeah. You know, in, in Europe, uh, it's kind of a more traditional, either annual or a, 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 a twice a year uh, cycle, really driven by catalogs and just mm-hmm. the lead time associated with that. Uh, and it's difficult to, to break that. I mean, we kind of are breaking that because, you know, we can't, we can't wait, but it, it's it's more scheduled in Europe than you know it's in other places. In other places, you know, you go when you need to go, uh, and you know our industry is kind of the last to to get into that mold. Yeah. You know, everybody else is you know costs go up, you know prices go up, and uh, there is no 90 day, 120 day notification yeah. period. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, that we have in our in our industry. So, you know, we're we're trying to do the best we can in the environment that we're in, um, and uh, you know, in every region we have our own set of rules we have to abide by. But the the objective is the same: we have to recover costs, and uh, you know, we haven't done that in EMEA. Uh, so we're we're going again uh, uh, in April in, in EMEA. We're raising yeah. prices. Yeah, things like lead times and product availability are they, are they kind of getting back to normal now? Not yet. No, uh, as I mentioned on the call, uh, the supply chain is same as it was uh, in Q4. It's not getting worse, but we haven't mm-hmm. seen uh, we haven't seen an improvement yet. And we're really not anticipating anything until maybe the end of Q2 and into into the second half. Uh, we just come in off the Chinese New Year, so yeah. you know the factories are all ramping up in Asia. So that's going to take just a, a while to get uh, to get back up to speed. Mm. Uh, so um, you know, supply chain is still is still a challenge. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess as, with with Power A and you know, Kensington growing, you are a bit more exposed to the semiconductor uh, chip market than you than you were previously as well. That's right. Uh, yeah, we have, and, and not just that. I mean, we have semiconductors and shredders. Yeah, course, uh, yeah. You know, Europe specifically is, is very successful in the shredder uh, business. Had a terrific uh, 2021. So uh, you know, semiconductors are in many in many of our products, and we have to uh, buy ahead of time, buy the components ahead of time, and hold them. You know, and we've done, I think, a pretty good job uh, managing it. You know, as our sales indicate. But obviously, we can't control other things. Um, so, you know, I mentioned on the call the uh, the console product availability obviously affecting our power A sales. So um, that's just something we have to to live with. Uh, but but certainly having 
more supply there would, would, would help everybody, including sure. us. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah. You're not the only one to say that, for sure. sure. Yeah. Just quickly going back to the, the commercial channel, has your, your view on that changed in any way in the, in the past year? I mean, so in terms of the longevity or the future health of that channel and the resources, for example, that you, that you devote to it? You know, not really. I'm still very bullish on the independent uh, on the independent dealers. I think that's really the channel that has a strong path and a successful path ahead of it. Uh, you know, I think they're best positioned to serve the needs of small businesses mm-hmm. uh, more so uh, than than anybody else. I mean, if you need any kind of a level of service as a as a business, uh, the independent dealer is your go-to partner for that. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if, if you only care about price, obviously you're going to go online and buy and buy from the cheapest source. But a lot of businesses uh, care about service and support, and they'll be addressed by uh, the uh, the dealers. And then, you know, wholesalers provide a, a, a valuable support to the independent dealers, but they have to have competitive pricing. I mean, that's, that's traditionally has been their Achilles heel. Uh, they would traditionally... Uh, in our industry, at least, that's not the case in other industries. But in our industry, they would price themselves out of the market, but with uh, margin demands that are that are unsustainable. So, you know, as long as they can they can be competitive from a pricing standpoint, I think they serve uh, a valuable role. Yeah. You know, when it comes to contract stations, just you know, larger companies, I think that's a that's a more challenging a more challenging proposition. You know, they're selling to enterprise accounts by and large uh, who, you know, have their own infrastructures. Uh, so they they may require, you know, different levels of support. And then, you know, they they beat you up on price, you know, every day. So it's mm-hmm. just it's hard to make to make decent margin off of them. So I think that's a that's a bigger challenge. Yeah. OK. And certainly the hybrid, the hybrid working environment is, is a challenge to to that B2B space as well. You know, it, it's a challenge to the B2B space, I agree. You know, for companies like us, it presents an opportunity yeah. uh, because we could sell both, you know, we can equip two offices, basically. We can yeah. sell both into the office environment and the home office environment. Yeah. Uh, so so for us, it's an opportunity. But I think for dealers, because it's difficult for them to uh, to service home environments and it's very expensive to ship to the last mile, then that, that's more of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just finish finish off in in terms of of M and A activity. Power A is behind you. It looks like you've got some some decent leverage ratios as well. You pay down some debt and uh, and that that kind of thing. So can we expect uh, you to hit the acquisition trail again in twenty twenty two? Maybe you know it's <laughs> uh, you know acquisitions are opportunistic. I mean they're a part of it. They're they're a core part of our strategy to. Uh, reshape our business into a faster growing, more consumer yeah. and technology uh, centric business. But, um, you know, it also has to make sense, not just from a strategic standpoint, but, but a financial standpoint. Yeah. So you need to find the the, the right partner on the other end yeah. who can uh, who can make a deal with you. You okay. know, you know, we, I think we're in a position to do something, but whether we'll do something or not is, is sure. a, a question okay. mark. Yeah. But would that more likely than not tie in with your consumer and technology focus? Yeah, more likely than not. You know, mm-hmm. obviously we're very pleased with uh, with Power A, and you know if we can do something uh, in in that or related spaces, 
Mm. Um, we would be very interested in, in doing that. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Okay, Bryce, I'll let you get on with your with your other calls this morning. Thank you for for talking to me. Appreciate that, and uh, you know, all the best for for the rest of the year. Thanks, Andy. Nice talking to you. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.